This is Bob Morris in Desert Horticulture. Today we'll talk about maintaining a lawn, the irrigation and why it's so important in the desert and what you should know about it, how to apply fertilizers and what kind, mowing, when and how high, and special green operations, I call them, aerification and dethatching. All this and more on today's Desert Horticulture. Having a, a lawn in the desert is not easy particularly if you make mistakes when you establish it and putting it in. It's just going to make it that much more difficult to manage later on. There are places in this country where lawns are unnatural. <clears throat> you can do all the right things to them and you don't have to do much of anything. They exist on rainfall. Now, they fertilize them once in a while, you mow them, and they do just fine. But in the desert, it's a different situation. If you have a lawn that was not prepared or established correctly at the beginning, it's going to struggle. If that lawn is put in a very hot location, such as a west or southerly exposure that has a lot of reflected heat from walls or buildings, it's going to struggle. And in our climate, as I like to tell people, we're considered to be in what's called the transition zone. Transition zone, you have the cool season grasses that grow best in cool season in the northern climates, and you have those grasses that perform best in the southern, southern climates. Those are the warm season grasses. And then you have the transition zone. And the transition zone, I like to tell people, is a place where you can grow grasses that are both cool and warm season equally poorly. And that's, the, that's what you're going to be faced with in a lawn. Keep it small when you're starting with it. <clears throat> Keep it something that's fairly easy to manage. Now, I told you before, in the establishing a lawn section, if you're listening to that, the minimum area that you're going to have for a lawn is 10 by 10. You don't want anything smaller than 10 because irrigation, which is the lifeblood of any lawn, without irrigation, the lawns, without a good irrigation system, the lawns are going to fail. Without establishing the lawn in a good soil to begin with, it's going to struggle and probably fail. The other things, the management issues that you're facing with, that you're facing, number one is irrigation. Number two is fertilizer. What kind of fertilizer do you use and when do you apply it? And mowing, mowing height. I see this all over the place with uh, mowing heights that are just too short for the fescue, tall fescue lawns that we have here. They're... Uh, I guess they like a well-manicured look, but I see lawns that are mowed here by some of the maintenance people at heights that really Bermuda grasses would would favor. Some of the some of the Bermuda grasses would favor these. These are short mowing heights. We'll talk about that. <clears throat> we'll talk about special operations, if you want to call it black ops. I guess green ops, we'd call it with a lawn, huh? And that's aerification, uh, core, core aerification, uh, 
punching holes in the lawn and dethatching or removing dead grass or grass sloughing off grass parts in order to keep uh, that lawn vigorous. We're going to talk about all those things. <clears throat> Excuse me. But first, I want to talk about irrigation. Number one, learn how to install irrigation systems and design them properly. I see people putting in irrigation systems, and I, I ask them, do you know how to install an irrigation system? Oh, yeah, it's easy. No, it's not easy. Ir to do it properly is not easy. It might be easy in Kansas or Iowa or Illinois, but it's not easy here. Because irrigation is the lifeblood of any decent-looking lawn, it's got to be done correctly. So learn how to do it correctly. How many times I have been sent pictures of lawns and they ask if it's insects or diseases. No, in the middle of summer, it's an irrigation problem. And that's when you're going to see irrigation problems is right when the heat hits. That it will make the weaknesses of your irrigation system show up. And they're going to be brown areas. Sometimes it's pressure. Sometimes, for Pete's sake, if you install an irrigation system, put the right pressure on it. Get the pressure of that system in the in its correct in the correct operating pressure range that's provided by the manufacturer. Learn learn the components that you're using. Learn how to select the proper distances that irrigation heads pop-ups are going in. Learn how to select the proper nozzles for the distances that you have. Learn that you must have head-to-head -head coverage, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> or 100% overlap in our desert. Learn those things. Learn the relationship between pressure and distance and nozzles. All of those things are important when you install an irrigation system. It's not easy. It's not an easy thing to do, to do it correctly. You could, anybody can slap an irrigation system in. But to do it correctly takes expertise, takes professionalism. So learn how to do it. Number one, I don't have time to tell you here how to install an irrigation system. Well, we could do it. We could talk about it. But there are sources out there. There's places on the Internet. Just remember, you want head-to-head -head coverage. You want the irrigation sprinklers to pop up high enough to clear the lawn, that means four-inch pop-ups. If you're using tall fescue, you can get by with two-inch pop-ups if you're using Bermuda grass, but you can't use two- or three-inch pop-ups on fescue. just isn't going to happen. Learn how, what the connections are supposed to be between the PVC pipe that's delivering the water and the sprinkler irrigation heads. It's not a straight pipe. It's not something, it's not cut-off risers that you can cut off with a, with a pruning shears. Do it correctly. Learn how to do it correctly. The second part of it is knowing when to irrigate. When to irrigate. Never, ever, ever irrigate a lawn when it's time to go to bed. And when it's time to go to bed. Never, ever, ever. 
The best time to irrigate is just before sunrise. Now this poses a problem in the winter time if it freezes, perhaps, but the best time to irrigate is before the sun's, just before the sun comes up, when that wind speed is going to kick off and blow that water coming from those irrigation heads off course. That's the best time to irrigate and you want that lawn to dry out during the daytime. You irrigate in the morning, early in the morning, before the wind rises, and never, ever should that lawn go to bed at night wet, ever. So irrigation water quality usually isn't a problem. With potable water here, the salts are a little bit of a problem <clears throat> in the Las Vegas Valley because uh, there it is, it's a semi-brackish water because the salt levels are so high because we're using a fair amount of Colorado River water yeah, mixed with some well water in it. But when those salt levels are up high enough, it does present a little bit of a problem. Not so much of a problem that you can't use it, but you just should be aware of it, that the problem does exist. So whenever you're over, whenever you're watering a lawn, irrigating a lawn, it should be over irrigated slightly, slightly to move those salts through the soil below the roots far enough. You know what I use when I measure the depth of watering? When you're watering a fescue lawn, for instance, the watering depth should be at least six to eight inches deep. I use a piece of steel rebar and I'll go through the area, through the lawn, and I'll push, after an irrigation, I'll push that piece of rebar into the soil. And I should be, it should be easy to push, easy to push down to eight inches. <clears throat> if you are irrigating properly all over that lawn, you should be able to push that piece of rebar down about eight inches with no problem at all, unless you hit a rock, of course, but with no problem at all if it's a wet soil. So whenever you irrigate, don't split your irrigation up into little tiny pieces two and three minutes apart. Try to put on as much water as you can without it puddling and without it running off someplace, as much water as you can before it starts to run off. Normally with pop-up sprinklers, we can usually get around 12, 10, 12, 15 minutes on an irrigation cycle. If you're going to split the irrigation cycle, and you're going to split it in two because the water is starting to run off into areas or it's puddling somewhere, then split it and put it on about an hour rest before you do the next cycle. So in other words, if it's a 12-minute run, <clears throat> do six minutes, wait an hour, and then do six minutes again. Don't do six minutes in the morning, six minutes at night. That lawn must go to bed dry, dry. Wake up. When it wakes up in the morning and the sun comes up, water it. Water it before it gets to the heat of the day. How often? That really depends on the soil. Generally speaking, during the summer months in Las Vegas, most grasses, unless they're really deep-rooted, and your mowing height has a lot to do with that, unless they're really deep-rooted, you're going to be watering about once a day in the morning hours. In the other times of the year, you're going to be using the same number of minutes. So if you're watering with 12 minutes, let's say, 
you're still going to be watering with 12 minutes, even though it might be in May or February. It just won't be as often. So in other words, you're not filling that gas tank, that water tank, that soil reservoir with water as often. You're letting that grass pull on that water reserve in the soil, and then you're watering again. A soil moisture sensor, like for instance the Lincoln Aerometer, which you can purchase on Amazon, is one way to measure soil moisture. Never let it, the soil moisture get below about a five. Uh, if you look at the soil moisture sensors, <clears throat> they will have a, 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 a scale from zero to ten. Right after an irrigation, it'll be a ten. When it's totally dry, it'll be a zero. When that's in that middle section, five, is when you need to water again. If you don't know when to do it, yeah, so in the summer months, you're going to be watering every day, most likely, in the morning hours, right? In the spring and fall months, you're going to be watering less often. Maybe it'll have a rest of a day or two between irrigations. You don't know until you measure that soil moisture or unless you look at the grass. Tall fescue, tall fescue grass is the type of grass that when it is getting drouthy, the blade will begin to roll. It rolls because it's got a, a bunch of veins that are running parallel with each other. It rolls together. So you'll see it a different color. It'll be a smoky grayish black color when it's starting to run out of water. Or when you walk across it, your footprints will remain. You don't want it to go that far. You want to water before it gets to that point. You want it to rest. You want it to use that water in the soil but you want to let it only get to about a five on that soil moisture sensor before you're irrigating again. Irrigation, get it, make sure that it's designed properly, learn how to do it before you do it. Don't listen to a bunch of yahoos out there at some of the places where you can buy irrigation parts. They don't know what they're doing. Don't listen to the maintenance people. They don't know what they're doing. Learn it yourself. There's plenty of resources on the internet and there's plenty of good resources at some of the local water purveyor, at the water purveyors, but also where they're selling irrigation uh, supplies. There are usually some very good ones. Horizon is one of them. Uh, anyway, they're out there. <clears throat> fertilizer. The fertilizer I like to see used on grass, but it's very difficult to apply is compost, is a real fine compost, the, the stuff that Virgo sells, that 166 material they have, is an extremely good, very, very good fertilizer for lawns. The problem is trying to distribute it. It's not so simple. You can't put it into a little plastic hand whirly gig and put in a couple pounds and just spread it out there. You've got to put it into some sort of a, a steel drum or some way of distributing that, that stuff onto the lawn. And if you'll do that about three or four times a year, you're going, to see, you're going to see the grasses getting a very dark green color because of the nutrient content in that compost. The other thing you're going to see is you're going to see a change in the growth. You don't want to over-apply it, and you don't want to under-apply it. 
you'll want to apply it three or four times. And the best way to apply it is one of those steel drums. Put about a, a quarter of an inch on the lawn and, and then run the sprinklers right after it's done. The time of the year to do that is in the spring of the year, generally around February, March. Repeat it again around, uh, around April, May, about May. Then skip the hot summer months and then apply it again in September or October. And don't forget that one last fertilizer application at Thanksgiving time, just before it goes to sleep in the wintertime, or it starts to slow down in the wintertime. That's fescue. The warm season, fescue is one of the warm season grasses we're looking at. That's 95% of the lawns are installed with fescue sod or fescue seed, either one, on it. Another technique, if you're going to do that, so you can use mineral fertilizers. Lawns don't require a lot of soil improvement. They can get by on soils that are a little bit heavier for most trees and shrubs and get by on, so on soils that are heavier, more dense than for vegetables and flowers, for instance. Lawns can do that. You can get by with mineral fertilizers. The mineral fertilizers you're going to look for are like something like a 21714, where the first number is three times the amount of the middle number, and the last number is twice the amount of the middle number. 21714, 312 fertilizer. You can use a 512 or whenever, whatever you're doing, you're applying the first number, which is nitrogen. That's the one that's making dark green grass and giving it the, the growth spurts. You want to keep the phosphorus level, the middle number, as low as possible until you're either starting a new lawn, where and then you want a high level of the middle number, phosphorus, <clears throat> or you're starting other plants. But in, we're talking lawns now. In a lawns, you want that first number to be large, the middle number to be small, and the last number to be as ideally as large as the first. Because the last number, which is potassium, it doesn't really make much difference how big it is. or how It does make a difference how small it is. But you want it to be at least, at least, half of what the first number is. Don't worry about the, little, the middle number, the phosphorus in established lawns. You're maintaining it. Phosphorus promotes root growth and it promotes flower production. Lawns, most lawns don't have flowers and their roots are just fine. So they don't need a lot of phosphorus. But they need to be green and they need growth. That's how you remove diseases, by mowing. We'll get to that a little bit. But fertilizer, so now you know. Also, the, the, the part on the bag, okay, if you're using mineral fertilizers, the mowing is going to be, and how you're mowing is going to be important. I'll talk about that in a little bit. But when you're using, uh, when you're using compost, that compost I told you about, that's 
That's a high quality compost, very fine material. It's going to turn that grass into a dark green color and it's going to give it a shot in the arm. It's going to grow like crazy for a little bit and then it's going to settle down and stay green and you're going to mow. You're going to mow and mow and mow and mow. So let's, I think I'm done with the fertilizers and I'm done with the irrigation. Let's, let me talk a little bit about mowing. Mowing is very, very important because it does a couple of things. Mowing is the primary reason, the prime, the, it's, a, it's the primary way that you have of removing diseases. When you have people that are coming into your property to mow, make sure that they're mowing tall fescue lawns at least at two inches height. At least, I you know, <clears throat> inch and a half is the absolute minimum. But two inches, I think, is a safer bet. Also, when they come onto your property to mow, those things should be cleaned. Those mowers should be cleaned. You don't know if there was a disease that was picked up on the last lawn. You don't know what weeds that mower picked up. You have no idea. But that mower was brought from another property on the maintenance people and now brought onto your property. Where was it? So make sure that a lawn is clean, that a, uh, that a mower is clean. Make sure it's sharp. Make sure the blades are sharp. And that should be once a year. You should sharpen those blades. You can look at a leaf blade and tell if, it's, if the mower is sharp or not. That blade should be cut with no stringy, brown stringy tips on the ends of the grass blades. If you see brown tips on the ends of the, means the mower's not sharp. Get it sharpened. Another thing that I should point out is the use of what, uh, what we call uh, recycling mowers. Most mowers, when I was starting out, recycling mowers weren't heard of. And then we had a program called Don't Bag It. And it was very popular for quite a while. And basically what it said is, if you return the clippings from a lawn back to the lawn again where it can decompose and feed the grass, you can skip one fertilizer application per year. But in order to do that, you need a special mower and a special blade, and a blade needs to be kept sharp. The usual, and, and also the mowers have to have a special design that keeps the grass clippings elevated while they're being cut. So what happens is uh, on the recycling mowers, they, go, they move across the lawn, they cut the grass blades, and the blade that's there is not a single blade that goes across, but it's an X blade. It, there are two blades in the form of an X underneath it. Both of them require sharpening. But that double cut, that extra blade that's spinning around, and the design housing of the mower help to elevate those clippings long enough so that they're cut more. You know, I remember a long time ago when we were doing a Don't Bag It program, I had one of my staff go out there and I said, just go get some of the clippings uh, from a lawn so we can compare clippings from a traditional mower versus a recycling mower. And she came back and she said, I couldn't find any. It had all fallen through the grass and we couldn't collect any. And a good recycling mower should do that. There shouldn't be any grass clippings left. 
They should all fall to the surface of the soil where microorganisms and whatnot decompose it and it returns it back to the soil again. That's a good mowing practice. Mowing height, frequency, time of the day doesn't matter so much. It does matter if it's wet and also the grain of the grass. When you start mowing a lawn and you mow it in only one direction, the lawn will establish what's called a grain. And you can see it. You can see that striping on athletic fields, on natural grass athletic fields. That striping is caused by the direction of the mowing. If you continue to mow in a certain direction over and over, that grass will grow in a certain way and establish its own grain. So it's important when you mow a lawn to mow it in two directions. Mow it east to west one time and the next time mow it north to south. But alternate. Don't mow it in the same direction over and over again. So make sure those mowers, when they're brought in, are sharp. Make sure they're cleaned off. And if they've been on somebody else's lawn, I hope to heck they didn't pick up a disease that they're going to bring onto your property. All right, so that's the mowing part of it. Then there's some special operations. Uh, two of them I want to talk about that could be used. One is called core aerification or aerifying, and the other one is uh, is dethatching, also called uh, uh, anyway dethatching. In fescue lawns, dethatching isn't really necessary that often. In fact, seldom is it ever used. In Bermuda grass, it's used a lot. It's used once a year, just in time of overseeding time or whenever using, but it's used a lot. But it's not used, it's not necessary in most tall fescue lawns. However, core aerification renting a machine or having a machine brought on the property that punches holes in the ground and brings up those cores to the surface is necessary depending upon whether that grass has been walked on a lot, whether a lot of traffic on it, whether there's a lot of play on it, whether it was wet when that play was happening or whether it was dry. All of those things are important, but I would strongly recommend that once a year or once every two years at the most, that core aerification is done to that lawn, and then those cores are raked up, they're brought to a compost pile or gotten rid of some way, and you start all over again. They're punching holes in the lawn, about four inches deep. Dethatching, not that important on fescue. More important on Bermuda grass and some of the warm... Bermuda grass, really. Warm season grasses, eh, just depends. I don't want to get into that, but Bermuda grass, yes. Coriarification is what you want to look at. When is it done? Coriarification can be really done any time of the year, but the best time to really do it is in the spring, just before it starts to get hot. That opens up the soil. It allows water, fertilizer to penetrate more deeply in the soil, and allows roots to grow and deeper roots, deeper roots make a lawn more resistant to drought. Also, and I forgot to mention this in mowing, but mowing height also affects how deep roots will grow in lawns. 
When the mowing height is increased, roots will grow deeper. When mowing height is decreased, roots grow more shallow. Very important concept to, re to remember and to maintain. Diseases. Diseases have to be controlled before they occur. So if you have a lawn area that, if you have a lawn that has diseases every year, it might be wise to change your, in some way, what you're doing. The fertilizer that you're applying, change it. The irrigation practices, change that. Core-airify it and see if you can get it to recover, get out of it. But if you're going to put on a fungicide, you'll want to do it just before that normal occurrence of a disease happens. Insect problems, usually not a big problem. Sometimes we get grubs in it, but that's something that you take care of when you see it. Uh, and I can't really demonstrate. I'll try to do a YouTube video on show you how to tell the difference between a grass that uh, has a disease problem versus insect versus something else in it. But I'll try to get through that. But those are the main practices that you want to look at. Irrigation, fertilizing, mowing height, and uh, when, special operations, special green ops, aerification, and dethatching. Okay, I think that just about wraps it up for you. I hope I didn't miss too much. I'm sure I did. I hear that music. It's time to go. Have a good day. Bye-bye. Learn more about desert horticulture by signing up for my blog, Extreme Horticulture of the Desert. That's all one word, Extreme Horticulture, and starting with an X. Take some of my classes on Eventbrite if you're in the Las Vegas area. That's Bob Morris on Eventbrite.